thought today, what I thought we would do is we would explore the tactile system. We'd look at difficulties that you can have with tactile processing and then strategies that we could have for treating tactile processing challenges. So I want you to just have a think about these questions, okay? Or think about people in your life and how you would answer these questions for them or how they would answer these questions. Um, how often do you become irritated by tags in the back of your shirts? So five is always, four is often, three is sometimes, two is rarely, one is never. So you can look along there. Become bothered by clothing or socks, okay? Avoid getting your hands into messy things. Do you tend to be more sensitive to pain than others? So I want you to think about yourself, but also thinking about your child or those kids you might be teaching or caring for, okay? Um, become especially bothered by small cuts. Notice irritating lumps and bumps on your bed sheets. Um, over or underdress for the temperature. And seem overly sensitive to food or water temperature. When um, I spoke previously about sensory processing, I mentioned that we have eight senses. Okay, you've got your functional senses, which, is, which are the ones that everyone will immediately think of, your sight, your smell, your hearing, your taste. Um, and then quite often with that, everyone will mention touch as well, which is amazing. And your touch is actually forms part of our foundation senses. Okay, so you have your touch or your tactile system, then your balance or the vestibular system, body awareness, which is proprioception, and then our interoception, which is how our organs are relating inside, but also how we know whether we're hungry or thirsty, whether we need a drink, whether we need the loo. Um, so that's all about interoception, which is is another fascinating area as well. It is going to give you information about the world and about the shape of objects, the size of objects, the texture of objects. And you're going to use your memories and your previous experiences so you can see something and quite often you'll remember what it feels like. Okay, you'll remember what the texture of that object is. Um, it helps us to understand our surroundings. It helps us to feel safe and to bond with loved ones. If you can remember if um, when babies are born, well, if, if I think back to when my son was born, my first son, it was very much let's do a lot of skin to skin. Um, we had a very short amount of that time because he had to be taken to the NICU. And... When a baby goes to the NICU, the touch that they experience um, quite often at that stage, so all those years ago, was very much related to pain and gloves. Um, so that's quite a different introduction to the world of touch. Whereas if I think of my the birth of my second son, where it was all planned, was a cesarean, there was a lot of time to do the skin-to-skin -skin and that bonding. Um, yeah, so I just, I think that's really important to think about. Um, touch also is really important for our social development, your emotional development, physiological and neurological development. Okay, so your touch is just, is just super important. And I, um, I've decided that I'm going to start asking people, like my quirky questions going to be, 
which sense do you prefer more, your tactile sense or your visual sense? You know, and just get people thinking a little bit about which which sense would you rather lose? You know, they do those weird, those weird questions um, sometimes. Okay, so a couple more questions for you coming up next. Think about these questions. Do you crave being held or cuddled? Okay, so I love hugs and I love cuddles. Unfortunately, um, bless his heart, my husband is quite tactile defensive. So he really does not enjoy that. So I've got dogs and cats. Um, Do you prefer tight types of clothing? Are you excessively ticklish? Do you prefer to touch rather than be touched? Do you dislike light touch in a close intimate relationship? Do you become very angry or annoyed very quickly if someone pushes or bumps you unexpectedly? Do you dislike having your arms or back stroked? I love having my arms or back stroked. Do you become bothered when people sit or stand too close to you? And let's say this is all like pre-COVID. Okay, so we have three types of touch. You have your light touch, which is really there to protect us and to keep us safe. Then we have our discriminative touch, which is going to be very specific and detailed information. And then we have our touch pressure. Okay, so with light touch, it is when anything brushes your skin or tickles your skin. And I find that when I'm... um, you adjust emotionally to the types of touch. So if I'm sitting here now, if something were to touch my face, I would think, oh, that's probably just a bit of hair. If I was outside, it was dark and I was trying to do the bins or I was trying to get the dogs in and I felt something brushing up against my skin, I would probably, not probably, I would freak out and I would quickly try and like, rub it off my face and kind of go, ah, um, and be quite annoyed about that or scared about that because I would be thinking, oh my gosh, is it a spider? What is crawling on my face? Okay, so this is our light pathway. So if you can imagine you've got two neural pathways that take tactile information to the brain. So you've got your light pathway and then you've got your deep pressure or your deep touch pathway. If you want to imagine the M25, I think we all know the M25 fairly well, um, your light touch is going to to take um, a long time to to subside. Okay, so you've got your light touch and instead of going um, from Leatherhead to Rygate, junction 9 to junction 8, it's going to go junction 9 to junction 10. And it lasts that long, if that makes sense. So it's quick, it's very fast, but it lasts very long. If you think of your deep touch, it's going to go straight there. Okay, so junction nine to junction eight. And that's what it's going to do. So your light touch is really, it's there to keep us safe. Okay, it's there to protect us. So anything lightly tickling your skin. um, Some of you might be quite happy to do that. And that might be fine if you're just 
it's the daylight, you know where you are, you can see what you're doing, you just lightly touch your face. If I'm outside and I'm trying to do the recycling bins and something brushes my skin, I'm probably going to freak out. I'm probably going to think, oh my gosh, I'm being attacked by a ginormous spider or something. Okay, um, so your light pathway is going to respond immediately, but the information isn't always going to be specific. It's not always going to be accurate. So you might know that there's pain, but you might not know um, what type of pain it is. Okay. Your discriminative touch is what's going to be really specific and detailed about what is touching us or what we're touching. And it's going to tell our brain how something feels based on our previous experiences. So if there is sticky resin or you'll be able to say oh I know this it feels like um, honey or something else it feels like foam okay and this is going to allow for really accurate and precise fine motor skills and then we have our touch pressure also called firm touch or deep touch pressure which is the hero of the story um, and it tells us how hard we are squeezed or touched how tight or loose our clothes are um, how tight or loose your shoes are, for example. So, you know, actually my shoe's not very tight, so I'm quickly going to just tighten my laces again. Okay. Um, when we have tactile difficulties, so I'm just have a quick drink. We can have difficulties. So if you think back to when I, I um, spoke previously about sensory processing, you can have difficulties in... Um, with your modulation, so um, how hard or soft something feels in terms of how responsive you are to it with your discrimination and also with your praxis. So we'll get into that because that's a, um, something that is quite often overlooked as well. Okay, so some more questions. Do you dislike hair cutting, hair shampooing? So for years, my husband could not go to the hairdresser and I had to cut his hair. Um, it was not a good look, but that's fine. Um, do you dislike fingernail or toenail cutting? Do you struggle to pet animals due to the feeling of their fur? Um, do you prefer long sleeves and pants? This is American. Trousers. Um, do you dislike it when you have water in your face from a shower? Um, dislike going barefoot? Um, do you prefer baths to showers? Do you become very irritated when splashed with water? So when our kids were little and we were in the swimming pool, my husband used to really get annoyed with them. And it would kind of be like we had a swimming pool, there were loads of kids, you know. So that's quite, um, yeah, bless him. Okay. Um, give you a second, have a look at those. Okay, so... When we think of poor modulation, what we're going to think is that it can cause us to respond in three different ways. So the first way is that it can take a really long time for us to respond or to notice touch. So um, if you don't notice that your hands are dirty or that you've got a piece of food stuck to your face, um, quite often I see kids who don't cry when they're hurt or injured. Um, they don't notice when they're being touched or when they're being pushed. Okay, so it'll take a long time to respond. You can have it where you under-respond in the sense that you want to seek out extra touch. So you're constantly going to be touching others. You're going to be touching 
um, teacher's hair, often teachers will say to me, he's constantly stroking my hair and it's getting greasy. Um, they'll love messy activities. They'll touch everything. They'll lick everything. Um, and so those are the ones who are always seeking out extra touch. And then we've got those who are very sensitive to touch, <clears throat> who find it incredibly painful, incredibly overwhelming. So tasks such as um, nail cutting, face washing, they'll find really hard. Different food textures is going to be really, really uncomfortable. Um, certain clothing textures, labels or seams are going to feel really horrible to them. And you have that this whole idea or this um, concept of tactile defensiveness is very, very common, okay? Um, and it's probably one of the biggest reasons why we would have kids refer to us when they have difficulties with their tactile processing. When we think about discrimination, that is knowing what is the thing that we're touching or touching us and where we're being touched. So what is touching my hand? Is it a spider or is it just a thread from my jumper? Is something hot or is it cold? Is it in between? Um, what's the texture of something? So think of all the words that you can have to describe how something feels. Is it hard? Is it soft, squishy, prickly? Um, you know, all of those words which lets you know. And so you might describe something as oh this feels like bubble wrap okay that type of thing um the size of something is it small or big is it medium is it teeny tiny where are you being touched are you being touched in between your fingers are you being touched behind your knee um it's going to be that thing that when you are looking around in your bag to find something without looking that's the hairbrush oh I think that's a mask that's a pen that's a coin okay um if you're feeling for um for coins in the the coin side of your purse or your wallet is that a 10p is that a 50p one pound coin or actually no that's a plastic trolley coin okay um and then when we talk about poor praxis so Touch discrimination has been really closely linked to dyspraxia um, and this is quite often overlooked. And when you struggle to locate touch or where you're being touched, it's a sign of dyspraxia. So one of the assessments we will do is we go through um, and we would touch a child, say, on the back of their hand while their eyes are closed and ask them to point to where they feel like they were touched, okay? Um, struggling to recognize the shape of an object, so another assessment is we would give them, um, say, for example, a square. They can't see it, they feel it, and then they have to say, okay, that was the shape there that I was touching, and they will then point to the square, um, the um, star. Um, and it helps create what we call our body scheme, so a map of your body. So this is going to help us how to learn how to play, how to plan, how to organize our body movements, okay? Um, so it's really important for that. These questions you'll notice are a bit more about discrimination. Do you dislike shaving? Do you constantly chew objects, mouth objects? Do you feel less pain than others? Do you find yourself covered in bruises and you have no idea how you got them? Um, do you tend to touch objects to explore them? 
do you struggle to find objects without looking? So you have to actually physically look and see what it is you're looking for. Um, do you find it difficult to put shaving foam on your legs or underarms or your face? Okay. Do you struggle to know when food is stuck in your face or if you need to blow your nose? Um, or do you need to have rough, coarse textures next to your skin in order to notice them? Okay. Why is our touch so important for learning and independence? Now, it's not just learning in school, because um, school isn't the only way that we learn or the only place that we learn. It's all about independence. As OTs, that is what we promote. We promote function and we promote independence. So your touch is going to tell you all about it, um, how you can develop your good fine motor skills. So doing your buttons, putting your earrings on without looking, um, holding your juice box so that it doesn't all squeeze out okay so that's all going to be your fine motor skills but it's also going to be related to your emotional and self-regulation so if I think of how often I will comfort someone just through a hand on their forearm just patting their heads trying to bond with them or, or to reassure them and at the same time if you are wearing clothes that you perceive as being painful or itchy it can then cause you to be really anxious, okay? If you, you might recognize this, um, or some of these kids, they are going to be the ones who have to touch everything. They need to lick objects. Um, they might have really poor fine motor skills. They don't notice when they're being touched. Um, they don't notice when they're dirty, when they have messy hands. They'll often drop things, so they'll often drop their pencil, for example, or you could have a really high pain threshold, so they don't notice the bruises. Um, or you could have those kids who are really over-responsive. They will pull away the lightest touch. If their friend touches them, they'll say, oh, he pushed me, he bumped into me. Um, they'll dislike certain clothes or food and just really resisting anything new um, any new routines or a change in their routines as well would, would cause a lot of anxiety, okay? So a little bit about tactile defensiveness. So Ginez is the OT who, um, who brought sensory integration to us and everyone thinks she's amazing. Well, she was. She's done now. Um, and she thought that we become oversensitive to touch because our brain is paying too much attention to light touch okay so instead of listening or registering the information that's coming from our discriminative uh, discriminative pathway what the brain is doing is that it's paying attention to the light touch and protective sensations and those are the ones that's there to alert us to a problem or a threat and to keep our body safe okay um she thought that every time our brain gets a message from the pathway, it initially thinks something is wrong. So you go on to your fight flight, you're on high alert, okay? And what we're doing is, is, is um, adults and kids who are tactile defensive will interpret just ordinary touch sensations or clothing textures or hugs as a threat. Your brain there is paying much more attention to the light sensations than kids who don't have this tactile sensitivity, Okay. Um, you find that what you can then see is that this is why we have adults 
or kids who are anxious, they have meltdowns or arguments or they avoid activities because they feel that touch to them is as though they have touched something hot or a spider has walked into them or they've walked into a spider web. Um, And everyday touch, just innocuous touch, is going to activate their protective system of their brain and they're going to have this flight fight, flight, or freeze response, okay? Um, Some may even go as far as to say it's painful. So they'll find it quite hard to ignore these sensations. So imagine you have a little stone in your shoe and you can't focus until you've stopped to take that stone out, okay? So it could be the tag on your shirt. Um, You can't just ignore that sensation. You need to get away from it. You need to get rid of it. So... This is where um, we get into what we can do to support, to help our own tactile processing or the kids we work with. Okay, so we want to avoid (coughs) light touch. If you have a child who you know has difficulties with touch, with any touch, you're always going to approach them with a firm touch. Okay, kids often will absolutely find tickling incredibly challenging and overwhelming, but they'll still laugh and it's that kind of that nervous laugh. They're not enjoying it, okay? So just be really, really clear. If you know your child doesn't like being tickled, then, you know, don't tickle them. Also advocate for them. So when you have family who come around and they want to, tickle your baby or tickle your child, just say, actually, no, they don't want to be touched, okay? The same way advocating for your kids in terms of um, avoiding light touch is your child does not have to give every single family member a hug and a kiss um, every time they see them. It's, um, It's their bodies. It's how they feel about touch. If they want to give you a hug, sure, come up and give me a hug. Um, but don't expect or demand that they have to do this every time, okay? Always warn the child before you're going to touch them. So you could say something like, oh, Sam, I'm just going to take a leaf out of your hair. Or, Joe, let me just wipe this food off your face, okay? Um, I'm just going to wipe your face now with the cloth. Always warn a child rather than just go in, um, and clean their faces. So I can remember years back, it used to be, oh, a parent would just um, put a little bit of spit on their thumb and just come in and just wipe the jam or something that was on your face. We want to have deep pressure. Okay, as as I said, deep pressure is going to be your hero, firm touch. And what you can do at home to get firm touch in is you can um, use really deep pressure by using deep squashes. So if you have a peanut ball or an exercise ball, rolling that over your child's back while they're lying on their tummy, um, either rolling it up and down or just squashing it down. Um, If you don't have peanut balls or therapy balls, using sofa cushions is really quite good. So you can make sandwiches with them and just keep the pressure static. If the child says, actually, I'd like you to bounce it, then you can do the rhythmical bouncing, okay? Um, We used to do a thing called a a pile-up where you'd have like all the cousins and everyone would pile on top of each other and there was always one who wanted to be at the bottom, always. 
um, that may have been me. Um, we talk about vibration as being a form of deep pressure. So quite often when a child is struggling to um, have their teeth cleaned, I would suggest using a vibrating toothbrush um, because that will give just a different sensation to them, okay? Um, I'd also suggest to parents don't go and buy the most expensive vibrating toothbrush. You can get really, really cheap little ones, um, and, and that's absolutely fine. And give that to your child to either play with before they brush their teeth or when they're brushing their teeth. Okay. There will, there's also a load of different vibrating toys you can get from shops like Tiger Tiger or Amazon. Um, you have like deep, um, hand massages that you can try. I would steer away from, um, I'd always look for something on Amazon or online before you go to a special need shop because you're just going to pay so much more for that. Okay. Um, what I suggest to parents, if you're going to, if you have a child who's really struggling with having their nails cut, I always start by doing deep pressure from their forearms down, like from their um, shoulders, deep pressure all the way down. And when I get to the hands, I'm still doing the deep pressure and then I put some deep pressure on the nail beds before cutting that for each um, each nail, okay? One of the other things I also suggest is as soon as you think your child is able to let them cut their own nails, okay? Um, I think that's one of the best skills you can give them in life is to be able to cut their own nails so that they can feel in control and that reduces that anxiety as well. When we're going to maybe, if you're looking at toothbrushing, you can also get a child to just do some deep pressure all around their own face, or you can do that for them. Again, warning them that you're going to touch them or also getting them to do um, that self-touch self as well, okay? Um, you can do, we do something called the World Burger Brushing Protocol, um, which is really, really, really specific and is really hard to implement, but it works wonders. Um, for an older child, you can get them to brush themselves, okay, with certain brushes or even just a loofah, okay? Do a lot of tactile play, so um, rice, pasta, packaging foam, sand, all the light, the dry stuff, but also the wet textures, so therapy. I'd say if you have a child who needs to touch everything, give them um, a tactile fidget. So um, I like the twirly keyrings. I think they're great because they can be attached to a belt loop or just um, onto the, um, a child's bag or their shirt, a buttonhole, and they can be accessible at all times. Um, what I always say about tactile fidgets or focus tools, as we call them, is that you want to make sure that it's not distracting to the child or to others, although they're not going to use it as a weapon and spin it around and hurt other people. We then talk about heavy work, which is like magic. Um, and heavy work is anything that's going to involve all your muscles. So it's coming back to proprioception, the pushing, the pulling, um, pushing against in a lycra tunnel or body sock, any of those things, that's going to be really heavy work. And then if you're going to give oral tools for regulation, so older kids, I might give gum. We can do things as giving them a a chew that's just attached to their clothes, that would work quite well. Um, getting them to drink um, yogurts through a thin straw 
bubble mountains. I don't know if you know what that is, where you put some washing up liquid or some soap in a bowl and they blow with straws and you get these big mountains of bubbles coming and that's also really organizing and regulating. Um, and then for some of the older kids, I do give them gum. Um, but the gum is usually given with um, a contract that you will not leave it in all sorts of random places. The power of touch. I think it is one of the most underrated, undervalued um, senses. And so I thought I would just um, delve into it a little bit. 